Fucking everybody, happy Tuesday, 420, 21, 450 p.m. Out here at the door, Far Par, Champagne, Urbana. Let's freaking get to it today. Uh, I'm going to do a disclaimer right now because I have a feeling that I'm just going to go ham in the markets. And, uh, you know, I could be at risk of, you know, trying to say something I didn't want to. So we've got to get that disclaimer out of the way. Skip that thing if you don't want to listen. But here we go. I'm a student. I love the markets. These are my views. I'm not giving out financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Don't listen to me. I, w- I would listen to myself, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but, I, but I'm not giving out advice. I'm not telling you to go buy or sell, like, get recommending investments. So, you know, don't take my advice. This is not, I'm not a financial advisor. Do whatever the heck you want. I'm just here for the love of the markets, and I want to share that with you guys. Uh, so, you know, every gain uh, is subject to potential profit. Every, you know, trade is subject to potential profit, potential loss. Do your homework. If you don't do your homework, go to a freaking casino. All right, so let's get into the action today. So what happened on the street? Let's go to the yields. Let's go check the the real yield curve. Yes, yeah, sorry, I was I was doing a little uh, yield curve uh, little study here before I started the podcast. So I was studying two thousand eight. So I got to get back here. Uh, so real yields versus uh, the actual legitimate nominal yield curve rate. Let's start with the nominals here. Uh, so, you know, the short end of the curve, you know, we're saying no movement there. If you go look at the long end, 30 year fell from 2.29 to 2.27, 2. on the 20 year, 2.18 to 2.16, 10 year, 1.61 to 1.58, a little bit of different action. The five year, uh, went from 0.85 to 0.81 looking at the real yields, you know, five year real yield stayed the same at not minus 1.71. Uh, the 30 year fell one bit from five bit 0.05, five bips to 0.04. Um, the, uh, 20 year fell two bips and the, uh, seven year, sorry, the 10 year fell one bip from 0.73 to 0.74. So, you know, more action today in the real, in the nominal rates versus, uh, real, but, uh, you you know, looking at the five year, the five year actually holding steady versus, uh, the if you go further out on the yield curve, and I find that very very interesting, and you know going and if you go in and you look at the uh, perc- this in percentage terms, you know the thirty year is down one point five percent, five year down four point three three percent, and the on the day and uh, the ten year let me see T and X should be yeah right here down two point four four percent. So as I've been saying. You know, reflation trade. The reflation trade's on. Everyone's hyped up about the reopening, the reflation trade. Inflation's coming. Oh my gosh, my gosh, my gosh. Why are yields falling? <laughs> because there's going to be a slowdown in growth. You know, the interest rates are too high. <laughs> At about 1.75 rate, the bond market got a little ahead of itself. I feel, I, I listen to a podcast, but this is my kind of view in the first place, is the bond market was pricing crazy, crazy inflation. I've talked about this on the podcast. And yeah, we got 2.5% reading on the CPI, but, uh, you know, I was expecting, you know, bigger, a lot bigger than that. And I said, if we get a lot bigger reading, then, you know, yields will continue to go up. But if we get it in, like in line reading, the market might, you know, just be chilling. But no, the bond market saw right through that. And, you know, we got a 2.6 reading on the, I believe, is uh, year-over-year CPI um, versus 2.5 expected. And so the bond market's like, okay, well, where's this crazy, crazy transitory inflation? Like, yeah, 2.5, that's expected, base effects. And so what I think the market's seeing is, okay, this could be the peak. And 
what makes me makes me think it's a peak even more you know before i go in i talk about you know earn it uh before i talk about the stock market and such i mean i want to take some time to focus on the netflix earnings uh netflix earning netflix stocks down 10 percent right now after hours um and this is because you know they, they beat on revenues which is nice to see they had let's see the revenue numbers you know quarterly profit uh, rose as well. So quarterly profit rose uh, to 1.71 million or 375 for share uh, from 709 million. Uh, so basically, their EPS uh, year over year growth, they're uh, it was they're worth EPS 1.57 per share now it's 3.75, and uh, expected earnings per share was 2.97. They had a beat a 3.75. Uh, revenues over the like the last quarter rose 25 percent. Um, and you know, so basically they had a solid year. Uh, if you look at like the revenues, revenue speaking, profit speaking, blah, 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 as expected, you know, the stock price has been doing great. However, you know, looking out into the future as the stock market likes to do is you see that, uh, their subscriber growth is slowing down quite a bit. Uh, their subscriber growth grew from, they only added 3.98 million subscribers, subscribers globally versus, you know, expected to add about 6 million. Um, that's a huge miss, okay, uh, and that's definitely going to have a huge impact on their on their future profits, especially you know if you're thinking that Netflix is going to be growing at the rate that it was always growing, that you know it's going to have to you know the, the growth is going to start to slow down eventually. I mean, I would hope people would expect that. Clearly not, um, and basically, company didn't has has not been adding as many uh, subscribers as uh in the past and you know they, we had a 3.9 uh eight well sorry we netflix had a 3.98 subscribers glo- i can't talk globally in the first quarter um you know below its forecast of six million as i just said but guess how many for the second quarter they're uh you know uh predicting they're gonna add and you know they may totally lowball this you know so they come out on top and their earnings beat but they're only expecting to add one million subscribers what does that go to show you about the economy? The economy, their Netflix is only predicting to add one million subscribers, and yeah, they had a boom, a boom year last year because you know everyone was locked at home and was going to get Netflix, and your subscriber growth was going to grow, and more people were going to get Netflix. But once you hit that point, you can't grow anymore, and that's kind of where we're at with the stock market is running out of gas. You're starting to see this in I did my whole airline rant yesterday that United missed bit but I was gonna say bigly, but United had a huge miss on their earnings. And same with Delta. And you start to see the airlines and cyclicals sell off today. I'm gonna go look at the Jets ETF right now and tell you how, how the airlines did. Yeah, Air, Jets ETF, which is an ETF all you know, group all the big airline stocks, down four percent today. I know American was down like seven percent. And so this is starting to show you that the economy is not as strong as people think. I mean, Netflix, freaking powerhouse, powerhouse stock. You know, I remember when this thing was 81 bucks in like 2016. Now it's $493. You know, it's running out of its steam. How is this growth going to be sustained? And, you know, the way the growth is going to be sustained, the way that Netflix is, you know, these companies are going to be able to you know, start, you know, they don't want, no one's going to want to take loans. They're going to start rejecting these higher rates. Therefore, rates are going to have to go lower to zero, even though they're already so, so low, so historically low. But you, you're starting to see that, you know, you would think that with these artificially low interest rates, these companies would just be seeing, you know, exponential, you know, and they had exponential growth. You know, we had rates at zero for about, 
uh, 10 years, not, so not 10 years, from 2009 to about 2015, and, well, okay, that's not 10 years, but, uh, and six years nonetheless, and then, you know, for the past year, year and a half, we've had rates at zero, uh, the federal funds rate at least, so you would think that there'd just be massive growth of economic activity, but rates have started to go up, and, you know, the stock market hasn't really feared, uh, seen it as a problem, and you would, and, like, usually it's a good thing, you know, growth is coming, like, economy is getting right back on track. And, you know, I'll get into this study that I was doing with, like, the whole yield curve. But, yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. But what I'm saying is the, the rates are, are heading lower because you're starting to see slower growth in the economy. People, you know, seeing through this reflation idea. Yeah, there's going to be some reflation, but companies' earnings are already weak. So how are they going to get better? How is there going to be this massive, massive growth? Everyone has started upping their growth estimates, but... You know, I think people might have to have to start thinking about reining it back in. You know, think about oil. And I guess I could talk about this when I go into oil. But, uh, you know, the airlines are still not as strong as they used to be. You know, passenger growth is coming back and airlines are getting ready uh, for the future. But if, if, if you know, their airlines, like, if there's not a lot of flying to Europe because, you know, Europe still has its COVID problem. And, you know, COVID cases are rising rapidly. I guess I should report on that first. You know, I think we saw the biggest weekly rise since like ever this week and you know why is that news because it's been over a year since the pandemic started so like covid that covid still an issue but uh (laughs) um yeah like that like if company if sorry if companies if countries start locking down again you know europe's not completely open we're not even completely open here in the united states that could start to affect, you know, travel, that could start to affect businesses, and ultimately go back to affect the demand for oil. And I keep going back to this, you know, little supply glut. Uh, you know, we're actually adding barrels of crude, um, which is which is quite, like, concerning to me. You know, we're, get, we're getting up a bigger supply and, you know, banking on this whole idea of reopening. But if, you know, there is no reopening, the price will go down quite a bit. Um, and so maybe we see some pl- supply cuts, but, um, yeah, I'm, I, I just, uh, you know, we, we did grow about, about 300, 436,000 barrels, um, according to the a- API crew data. So this, I'm, as I'm talking about the supplies keep, keeps growing, but you know, if Europe, if Europe's locked down, you know, there's not a lot of travelers coming in for summer vacation, you know, the airlines aren't going to need all this oil. Um, you know, the whole industrial, like all these industrial numbers, some of the industrial numbers are great, but then some are not. So is there going to be this demand for, I think there's a little too much supply. And so you could see a short-term pullback in the price of crude. And that's not a bad thing because then we can just go buy it at a discount. Well, I can just go buy it at a discount. You can make up your own mind, do whatever you want because I'm not selling financial advice. But that that's just something I want to talk about. Um, I think it's fascinating. I mean, and another thing I want to talk about before I forget that I haven't really been talking about too much is, you know, the reverse repo operations, you know, Fed exchanging uh, collateral with the, you know, big banks that is uh, counterparties. And if you go, if you go look at this, like repo history, reverse repo operations, um, and basically they do this, you know, to hold down the funds rate, um, like at zero. Uh, we've been actually doing a lot more reverse repos and in, in billions of dollars. You know, last week you we had a lot in like the thirty to thirty to fifty billion dollar range, and then you know it's been like kind of cool around thirty thirty to twenty mil thirty to twenty billion the week before. You know, around the Archegos situation, we had some fat 
uh, reverse repos. But, uh, you know, the, today we had a re- reverse repo operation between 28 counterparties valued at, at uh, $67 billion with the treasuries. Uh, yesterday we had a reverse repo of about $53 billion with 23 counterparties, about $53 billion in treasuries. So, uh, you know, rates, <laughs> the Fed is keeping the, holding the rates down at uh, zero Right, they're trying to they're trying to hold it down, keep it on lock at zero. And as they have to buy, go and do the, you know these swaps, these reverse repos in bigger amounts, it's showing you that the market is much more unstable. And you know rates want to crack higher and bust bust higher, but the Fed is trying to keep a lid on that, and saying no, 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 that can't happen. We need these at zero, or else because if rates were to skyrocket, we'd have a massive issue on our hands. So that's something I'm watching for. But uh, looking at like uh, the repo rates overnight, you know, repo rates are are, are still at zero. Not not too big change, too big of changes there. But that's something I really want to, you know, keep everyone's eyes on. Um, and then I guess like I'm just gonna talk about everything I wanted to talk about before I go get into today's market action because you know I always I have some uh, things to say about that obviously. But uh, going to the, going into the economic calendar. Uh, I mean, t- today from the U.S., you know, we saw, yeah, 436,000 uh, barrels of crude added, which is, you know, quite concerning, uh, especially when people are talking about, uh, you know, slowdowns are coming to the economy, you know, vaccinations, COVID's a problem right now. Um, that's not good for crude. Um, I do, I think that there will be shutdowns and stuff. I was reading that, you know, in India, Prime Minister Modi, as you know, they're having the record amount of deaths, said we're not shutting down again. But uh, UK, I don't know how, 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 what their situation is. I hear a lot of very different things. And quite frankly, I mean, I think the governments at this point know that if they try to shut down, <laughs> the people are not going to have it. So um, I'll be very interested to see, see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the world economic data, uh, average earnings index plus bonus plus bonuses for uh, Britain is down. It was up 4.5% versus the forecast being up 4.8. So down by 0.3 there. You know, not, I'm not really going to take that into effect, into account. Like, it's not really a big deal. Average earning X bonus up, you know, 0.2%, 4.4 versus 4.2. Britain unemployment for February, uh, better than expected, 4.9%. Versus the average forecast of 5.1, German PPI 0.9, forecast of 0.6, German PPI year over year up 3.7% versus 3.3. So you know you're seeing some you know transitory inflation there. I hate to call it transitory because that's what Jay Powell says, but uh, quite interesting. And so going back, this whole Netflix idea is you know when you have a huge distressed economy, it doesn't just rebound. I mean I think people people are. Uh, are not taking into account how hard it is to, you know, the economy will flatline for a bit and, you know, not have any growth. Yeah, there's nothing that's, uh, we just have a reopening of the economy, but the economy was sick before COVID happened. Um, And people need to realize, you know, if we, you know, if you look at like the biggest, we have the biggest drop in unemployment since like the Great Depression, okay? We had the biggest drop. If you look at the chart, like uh, of unemployment history, it, it is insane in 2020. Okay, so um, if you think that the that the rate of unemployment is just gonna go back to normal like that, I mean, we're about three percent from the government's you know fake fake numbers of unemployment. Um, but you know, we went from like three to fourteen, and we're about like six percent right now. I mean, six percent is super super elevated. 
people don't understand that. And, you know, it's, we're not going to revert to the mean automatically. All these people are not going to get their jobs right away. And less people working, more unemployment, economic slowdown, and, and more creating more debt. You know, we're not, we're, we're getting, you know, the, the amount of debt we're creating, that is not spurring growth. That is slowing us down. Debt, um, because we have a crazy deficit. It's like, yeah, you, you, you take on credit to spur economic growth, but it comes a point when you're over a hundred percent debt to GDP ratio that, you know, it becomes a major, major constraint. And then you think, well, then how are we going to pay for this debt? Oh, well, it's okay. We can tax our citizens and yeah. Okay. In theory it works, but how, how, how does the, uh, quality of life for your citizens go when, you know, all their income that they're making is getting taxed away from them to go to pay for the government's bail government bailouts. I mean, that will cause revolution. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say it'll cause revolution on the podcast. We're talking finance here, but you know, you look at history, and uh, history says otherwise. History agrees with uh, you know that that kind of assessment that I'm making. And so the whole point is, is you know, you go on CNBC. Oh, we're going to see the biggest, you know, biggest uh, spur of growth ever. But Netflix and the airlines are starting to show that you know there is this this COVID hangover. I like that. I like that term. I saw it online, and. You know, growth is not going to come back as uh, fast as people think. It, it's not that easy. Um, and you know, growth can hide itself. Inflation can and hide can hide itself in 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 the, in the way of growth. You know what I mean? So if you get like three uh, percent inflation and you get like two point five percent growth, that's five point five percent real growth. But you know, three and a half of it's inflation, just increase in real in prices. So you're only getting about two percent real growth. That's not that good. So. That's that's really the point that I wanted to stress here and the point I wanted to make. Another point that I wanted to make is the U.S. I remember how I talked about a month ago how the world rates have been going down quite a bit. Quite a bit. The rates have been going down. The U.S. rates have been going up. I talked about how the U.S. rates are about up about 100% year over year like around the beginning of March. And, you know, the world, you know, most of the world rates were actually down like 12% besides U.K. U.K. and the U.S., if you go look at the charts, are pretty consistent with each other. Um, well, you know, two of the wealthiest countries in the world, uh, and I would say, you know, world powers. Um, but then you start to go look at, you know, the world rate market over the past month and over the past month, the U S rates have been going down quite a bit. And you go look at the German rates, the German rates have been going up. You go look at the Italian rates. They've been going up Spain rates. They've been going up over the past month. UK flat to down similar to the u.s like i was saying you look at japan they've been going you know kind of up so my whole point is is you start to see as you know people as we're seeing in the data earnings coming out you know you're not you see not the not the craziest amount of inflation in the u.s market that people are turning back to u.s bonds you know yields in the u.s are going down while other yields are going up so you can and i talked about this that there's a more bigger demand for u.s treasuries and so if there's a bigger demand for U.S. Treasuries, more buyers, that sends yields lower. And then people are probably selling off their other yields to turn uh, their other bond holdings and foreign, and, foreign, and foreign bonds to the U.S. because that's where they turn to in times of fear. And, you know, I went to, and I looked at, you know, the COVID, the COVID drop on the 10-year. And the, the 10-year fell about uh, 30%. I would say 30%. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, the 10-year not 
from like in the COVID problem, the the tenure fell about like twelve percent. Sorry about that, not thirty percent. I was looking at nineteen ninety two, uh, but if you go look at like the German Bund, um, you know this thing during COVID, you know it went from negative two to about you know to about negative four. Uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't have. It didn't have this crazy, crazy, crazy decline like the U.S. Like the yield didn't drop like crazy like the U.S. did um, in, during co- the cold COVID situation. You know, the German bonds, um, the Spain Spanish bonds, the Italian bonds. You know, they actually were, did a lot better. Uh, the sorry, and I'm gonna say the bonds, the yields on these bonds. The the U.S. yields dropped quite a bit. Like we went from one point five to nothing okay and then on the tenure and then you look at all these other bonds like you go look at the spanish tenure spanish tenure yield started spiking during these times and then slowly has come back down as the u.s bond said this crazy crazy rise so what i'm trying to say is when there when there's a lot of risk people turn to u.s treasuries and the fact that you see these treasury rates falling you know down about I think it what was it, like one point five percent today on the ten year, or yeah, two sorry two point four four percent. You know, down from one point six one to one point five six. But all these other rates, you know, they were down today, sure, but not not down nearly as much on percentage terms as the U.S. bond. Um, and you start to look at these other trends, like what, how are these rates moving now over the past month? Well, the U.S. bond rates are going down, and. The other in the uh, world bond rates, excluding the UK, are actually going up. So that's what that's showing to me is you know there's a little bit of a sign of caution, a little bit of sign of economic slowdown growing. You know, Spain, Italy have you know had their major fair share of debt crises. Same with Germany, you know, and I assert I just say Germany because you know they're in the EU, um, and so that is something that I don't want to be seeing. You know, their yields are actually going you know, continue to rise, U.S. is, and you know, this may be a short-term flip for the U.S., but that's just something I'm watching, because today, I'm going to get into the markets, the market was down quite a bit, Dow was down 75 bips, NASDAQ down 68 bips, sorry, S&P down 68, I know the NASDAQ was down about one, a little over one percent, where is she, who is she, yeah, NASDAQ down 92 bips. So, interesting action here in the marketplace. You know, one thing I want to note is the dollar index, UUP, was actually having a freaking phenomenal day up six. Well, I say phenomenal, phenomenal. But uh, it's, it had a nice recovery after, you know, it's been taking quite a beating. And dollars up, treasuries up. That's not a good sign for the marketplace. Well, you know, it just shows that risk risk is off and people people are more worried. You know, dollars, safe haven asset. Well, kind of. You, it's the world reserve currency, okay? So if there's a time of stress, dollars usually going to have a bit of a short-term increase in the value, you know, whether short-term increase then falls off a cliff. But uh, that was interesting, something I saw that I was fascinated with. But look at this, like, fall in yields. The regional bank's down 4%. What a shocker. <laughs> what a shocker. Uh, you know what I mean? Prob- problem is brewing in the marketplace. Looking at cryptocurrencies here, you know, no movement in really Bitcoin. Bitcoin's up 1% over, uh, over the last 24 hours. But Dogecoin, down 20%. So, you know, bubble bubble may be popping in the crypto space. But uh, we'll be we'll be monitoring that. But, uh, yeah, looking at the yield, yield's falling. So, you know, bigger reversal in the gold market. 
GDX up 1.15%. And, uh, you know, this in gold, you know, the, the actual physical ETF, well, not paper, paper gold physical ETF thing, uh, GLD, up 36 pips. One thing that I want to note is in, you know, 2008, the price of GDX, the price of gold, the gold miner index uh, fell and bottomed out in October 2008, and the S&P didn't bottom out, and, you know, it had a pretty steep rise, you know, gave back about 50% in three months, and, uh, you know, the S&P 500 didn't bottom out until, you know, March of 2009, and so, are we, I've been waiting for the gold, GDX to bottom out, and then, you know, the markets will keep falling with, keep falling, while you see gold go up, are we starting to see that reversal? I don't know, but I would love to see it. Because, you know, I've been long gold for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty brutal out there on those markets. Uh, you know, we, I, I went to bed and, you know, I saw we gap down like uh, I, I woke we, I went to bed. Futures are flat. I woke up and we were down like 50 bips. So uh, but, you know, earlier in the day, you know, people were buying. And the next thing I looked at my phone, like 10 minutes in the market. And, you know, it's just decent amount of selling decent amount of selling to say the least and, you know the chart yesterday just like looked ugly on s&p 500 so i wasn't too shocked but uh yeah gold up 1.15 percent the vix today elevated uh hit 1970 so almost breaking out above 20 but we didn't we closed at 1868 up eight percent you know bad sign for the market fears coming back in uso after that you know crude inventories report uh you know fell quite a bit uso is down 1.34 percent uh, down 49 bips after hours. That's not a good thing for the marketplace. You know, the price of oil just craters. You don't want to see that. And you don't want to see yields cratering like they have been. You know, we're almost back to that uh, level of 1.54 where we fell when, you know, yields supposedly got short squeezed uh, last week. But uh, I'm, I've been do I've been loving that because it works out great for gold and great for TLT. Uh, you know, similar action to what you were seeing in February of 2020. You know, I want to let everyone know that in February 2020, <laughs> the interest rates just fell off a cliff in the beginning of February. We fell from 1.5 to about nothing. Um, sorry, let me go to this two-year chart here. Uh, yeah, we went from like 158 to one like 0.767 from February uh, 2nd, February 9th, 2020 to March 1st, 2020, and that was before the Fed cut rates. You know, Fed cut the federal funds rate on March 3rd from uh, 1.25% to 25 bips, I believe. You, know, you can fact check me on that. But, you know, the yields falling off precedes the market falling off. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Like, people think this is not a, this is not a good thing for growth tech stocks. It's a sign that the economic conditions are, are getting significantly worse. That's all I'm trying to say here. Banks need the yields to be higher you know everyone's banking on banks you know this reflation trade well the yields are not down up today so banks are down 1.87 percent makes sense maybe people are possibly seeing through their bad earnings reports technology xlk down 89 bips you know the most overheated trade of all of all covid and i mean very well it makes sense i mean technology is going to do great when everyone's at home working on technology xlk down 89 bips though so uh you know not a good sign. And, you know, especially with this Netflix earnings report, it's probably going to have negative impacts show that, you know, some of these technology names, these big growth names are slowing down to uh, to a halt. Uh, TLT, you know, long 20-year long treasury bond. So yields go down. This 20-year treasury bond goes up, up 46 bips. Got to love it. You know, I'm a buyer of TLT here. Have been for um, since February, and I'm still long it. And, uh, yeah, 
That's all I'm going to say about that. MJ down 4.48%. Okay, just going to buy at a discount. You know, not much to say here. MJ is a long-term hold. And, you know, don't hold the ETF. You know, pick, go in there, and th- there's plenty of names in there that you can buy. Uh, I got my couple I figured out that I liked the other day. Uh, that's all I want to say about that. Corn, wheat, and soybeans. Actually, corn pumping today up 2%. Soybeans up 1.43%. Wheat up 1.42%. You know, stay diversified. Stay diversified. You know, I, I'm gonna, every day I talk about how much I love these names. I hate their fees, but uh, they're a great way to get exposure to uh, agriculture uh, through the futures market if you don't know how to trade them. So, um, you know, stay along these products. They're only gonna like they could they they've had a great run since August. Believe me, soybeans mint from like about fourteen bucks to about twenty two, but and it could definitely cool off. But you know, long term hold. I mean, I think they're only going nothing but higher. So. That's my opinion there. Silver down eight bips, but uh, you know, it's it's you know, the market is only the 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 cycle for gold and silver is only taken off right now because you know as we see, if we see lower rates, if we see less growth, we see you know dollar devaluation, you know economic risk, people getting nervous. Gold and silver are going to do great, and so they're great hedges. You know, great way to stay diversified in your portfolio. And you know, I truly think that. <laughs> $3,000 gold by the end of 2022 is not something crazy at all. 5000 by 2025. So you heard it here first. PAVE, infrastructure index, down 1.17%. Buy an infrastructure bill. You know, are we going to get this thing? Are we not? Not doing too great today with uh, the market. And, you know, it makes sense with the yields being lower. This, you know, reflation may not be coming. Well, I mean, it's going to come, but not as strong as people think. Uh, down 1.17%. Defensive stock. Uh, sorry, I'm not. it's not even worth talking about Philip Morris. Uh, Arc Fintech, you know, banks, high growth, down 1.52%, makes sense. Um, Riot Blockchain, down uh, 5.72%, hit 35.71, not below 35. So, I mean, I didn't swoop in. I'm probably not going to swoop in for a minute here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, very volatile, though. You can always, you know, swing trade the heck out of Riot. Uh, and I talked about, you know, Bitcoin is pretty flat on the day right now. Riot was down 5%, but it's because Bitcoin is you know, making its move af- moves after hours. So, you know, Riot opened up pretty high, but throughout the day, Bitcoin was selling. So that's why Riot was going down throughout the day. J.O. the beast, like, man, this thing was boosting my portfolio today. Uh, up 2.94%. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just holding on to J.O. Uh, it's like a core holding, like those agriculture holdings. But one thing I do want to say about J.O., oh, crap, it's up 3.64% after hours. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts, but crap, I love that. That's great to see. Um, one thing I got to say about J.O. is I did sell all my GDX. I was up 5% on it. I sold it for Kinross Gold, uh, Kinross Gold, Eldorado Gold, and also um, the last one is Goldfields International. So I just wanted to disclose disclose those with you with everyone listening to the podcast. Those are some gold mining stocks I like. Uh, Ego is the ticker on El Dorado. KGC is Kinross Gold, and uh, GFI is Goldfields International. Uh, I think they're gonna you know those are the mo- top miners that I've I've evaluated. Uh, you know I don't I'm not here to pitch a stock to you because <laughs> quite frankly I need to finish up this podcast by five thirty or probably a little sooner than that. But um, yeah, those are those are those are what I was rotating into today. I, mean, I said once gold gets a, above a certain price, I make I make my money on it. I don't you know, never want to hold ETFs. We're stock pickers here. We're not freaking ETF buyers. We're ETF buyers if we want to short something. 
you know, I, that's what I do. I just short inverse ETF. That way I'm not going to get short squeezed. And if I do, the underlying stock will, you know, I'm not going to have to, you know, buy, pay all this shit on margin, crap on margin. So anyway, that's my strategy. You know, people, people probably disagree with it, but you know, I don't, I just don't have all the, all the funds to be messing around with margin here. EEM dollar elevated a bit. Equity markets taking a pretty decent hit. Of course, emerging markets can be down, you know, down still quite a bit from that all time high. Um, down 81 bips, be watching out for low, below, you know, Nikkei Japan last night was down 90 bit, uh, sorry, down one, almost like 2%. So I'll be watching that Asia open closely, uh, tonight, see what's going on there. Corporate bonds up, uh, 19 bips makes sense. Tw- you know, long bonds, 30 year, 20 year are up today. So it's going to make sense why investment grades up, you know, high yield, <laughs> you know, long bonds are going down. Value yields are going down. People are going to say, you know, that means, you know, it's risk off. So risk off, why would I be buying risky credit? So high yield is going to be down today. And it was down 17 bips. Russell 2K was down like 2.5% at the lows, I believe. Down 1.96%. You know, this is showing you that Main Street's hurting. You know, the small mom and pop businesses are, are not benefiting from COVID. They're doing, they're having a hard time. And, you know, they've been, they haven't, you know, uh, done anything since midway through March. You know, everything at all time highs, but the Russell, that's a problem sign for me. Uh, and it's down can significantly harder than every other index these days. So I think, you know, it's, you know, all my whole point today is, you know, problems are brewing and, you know, the markets are showing it. Um, I already went over the 10 year, you know, silver miners up nine bips today. Nice to see them positive. Yeah, let's get in. So uranium down one point four one percent. Dollar a little stronger, and you know yields down. I uranium is just a solid hold no matter what. Obviously, do your research, do your DD, find find the right stock for you. But uh, I mean, I, I'm not, I think the, I hope it goes lower so I can just buy it at a discount. <laughs> uh, and now let's get into the Bill Huang stocks before I finish this thing up. But like pretty much. Who is selling shares? Why do these prices continue to get hit? Something's brewing underneath the surface. Every day I go to Bill Huang stocks and I want to like report, oh yeah, actually they're seeing massive recoveries, uh, recoveries in the price of these stocks. You're not. Viacom down three point, sorry, uh, sorry, is it 35 for dollars? So I said, all right, Viacom down 1.25%. Baidu down 91 bips. JD.com down 3.12%. Discovery down 2.47%. VIP shop down 6.12%. IQIY down 5.67%. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, sorry, I think I'm looking at GSX. Oh crap, GSX tech do actually came back. So it was up 4%. But uh, look, all these names are down. They can't catch a bid. No one wants them. And so my whole thing, my whole question is, is why? What is going on beneath the surface? Are all these companies, like these prime brokerages, selling little bits of shares that all these other hedge funds had ties to? Who, what are these prime brokerages? What's What's going on behind the scenes? And you're not finding out answers. But looking at the bank stocks, like looking at Credit Suisse today, down 3.83%. Goldman Sachs down 3.27%. Deutsche Bank down 4.39%. Something's going on between the banks, the hedge funds. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm just looking at Bill Huang's stocks, right? I'm looking at what stocks this man owned and his hedge fund owned. And you would think after they go down from 90 bucks to about 45 and you know most of these stocks take just massive hits discovery you know 80 bucks to about 35 to about 40 bucks so 
makes you, you go, what? Okay, so like the, I know that Viacom, I always use Viacom and Baidu as examples. They're good, solid companies. You know, Baidu, you can make the whole argument, you know, trying to do listing. Okay, I'll give you that. But they're worth more than, you know, Viacom is not worth $35. You know, the price has been severely manipulated. My whole point is people should be going, I mean, I'm not telling people to go and buy these, but you would think that people would come in and buy the dip. You know, there's value to these companies, but that's not happening. What's going on beneath the surface? We'll soon find out. Thanks for listening, guys.